Hi everyone. Hello everyone. Welcome to the You Don't Look Like an Engineer podcast. We have hit the big 2-0 for our episode today. Yeah, and to celebrate this big milestone because it is a big milestone. As you guys know, um it's been a year since we started and we have gone through a lot of learning in this experience and we have been able to meet people that are very very inspiring. Yeah, people we never thought we'd be able to get in connection with who literally inspire not not only us but I'm sure the listeners as well to be, you know, uh following their dreams in whatever aspect of STEM or outside of that maybe. Yeah, we have learned heaps of new skills and we have discovered a new level of connection in our friendship. So Hannah and I, I mean. <laughs> I mean you guys do, but anyway, all the amazing mamacitas we get to talk to. Yeah, oh, oh my goodness. Sorry. And papacitos. Um so as I was saying, for today's celebration, we have collaborated with our sponsors, Design and Build. So Design and Build is a recruitment agency in Australia and they started over 18 years ago. They have experience recruiting in construction, engineering, architecture, manufacturing, property and real estate. We couldn't be more thankful to have such a an authentic company working with us and you'll find out why. Um meeting Andy, which is um the director in the Sydney office, was actually a surprise for us. Last year they approached us I think one week after we released our first episode. And it couldn't have been a more exciting I guess feedback or just like comment to have as soon as we started. It was very reassuring. Do you want to <laughs> say thank you to Design and Build for, you know, even noticing us right when we were like not that we're anybody, but when we were like baby steps <laughs> and reaching out and showing us support and um believing in what we could take this platform to be. And they continue to believe in our work and in our potential. as they are sponsoring us again this year and we will continue to work together for making this industry more diverse and inclusive exactly. not just from a gender perspective but from ethnicities and just diversity um in its entirety so when we say we're collaborating with design and build uh that means that today we're having for the first time a bit like a panel of speakers so it's not just Laura me and a guest we're going to have three guests on and the five of us are going to get into some discussions about how to cultivate an inclusive workplace culture and to discuss um this topic design and build has organized two speakers to come from arch artifacts who is a client of theirs and they were founded in 2014 so they've been in the industry for about 15 odd years um and they started in industries such as rail and roads but they've uh, expanded on to become services in systems engineering and safety assurance and so today we have two of the most weapons in their team so we have Jody and Jonathan Jonathan um as you will find out is um what we hope to see leaders look like Jonathan is the director senior yeah director so well should yeah. <laughs> yeah we have the big dog <laughs> <laughs> and we have Jody which is which is an actual weapon as well and i love her background she's not actually an engineer graduate however she's been working in the industry for the past few years and her experience is in 
process engineering, which is completely different to what we do, sort of similar in certain sentences, but still a very different industry. And honestly, it just goes to show you don't have to have a specific type of thinking or a specific um, tertiary education background to be in STEM or to be involved in this industry. It just goes to show that you don't really have to look like an engineer in the engineering (laughs) industry. We have Sophie Potts, who is a recruiter at Design and Build. And without further ado, Sophie, would you like to introduce yourself? So I am a recruitment consultant for Design and Build. Um, I've spent probably about eight years now recruiting across the engineering sector. Um, Started out in the UK, moved over to Australia about six years ago, um, and obviously work with a range of different companies within the sector. Um, So, yeah, looking forward to having this conversation just in terms of um, the differences I've seen that have happened throughout the years, as well as um, the the strives for change that are happening at the moment as well. Lovely. My name is Jonathan Louis. I'm one of the directors at Arch Artifacts, which is a company that sells engineering services to largely the infrastructure industry. Yeah, I've been a engineering leader uh, through multiple infrastructure, major infrastructure projects, starting out in London, London Underground, on the Piccadilly Line. Um, I've spent about eight years at Transport, working Transport for New South Wales, making leading engineering on multiple projects, including. Parramatta Light Rail um, and Northern Sydney Freight Corridor. Um, and yeah, have to have a conversation with you. Hey, I'm Jodie. I'm also at Arch Artifacts at Jonathan. I'm a requirements manager. I'm not an engineer. I didn't study engineering. I'm actually a marketing graduate <laughs> a while ago. And I somehow ended up at Arch thanks to the work that I do with Doors NG. I'm not sure if you guys know it. It's a requirements management software. No. But uh, that's me. <laughs> so I guess the topic of today, as everyone can see on the title of this podcast episode, um, is how to foster inclusive workplace environments. And before we jump into that, we want to actually ask you, what does an inclusive workplace culture look like to you all? Um, yeah. I think it um, it looks different to everybody. And I think that's something that we absolutely have to um, understand and foster from as different employers and as people at different levels within an organisation. It does look different to different people, um, depending on what stage you're at in your career, um, if you're male or female. Um, diversity and inclusion is obviously huge at the moment, but it's... Um, it looks different to everybody and it's it's finding a balance of obviously what is appropriate um, but also making feel, feel, people feel com- comfortable in their workplace. And I think it's hugely changed since the pandemic in terms of what that looks like in fostering workplace culture because as we have all probably seen, it's got a little harder to do that um, through Teams meetings and um and a lot more kind of remote working and not being in person with people in a room. It's understanding people's personalities and, and how you kind of work to come to a, a, a inclusive environment for everybody in, in terms of how they're working and what suits them. Absolutely. You mentioned two key points here. <laughs> we'll like eventually talk more about. Yeah. If I can quickly just ask you, because you did talk about, you know, how things have changed in the past six years. Obviously, the pandemic's a huge one. But in terms of um, inclusive, if we could ignore that, 
assuming we can, (laughs) (laughs) the pandemic. Uh, But ignoring that, do you think of the past six years, things have changed in terms of what people are expecting in a workplace culture, like in terms of professionality or authenticity? Have things gone one way or another? From what I've seen, absolutely, yes. Um, I think if you look at six years ago when I arrived in Australia and I think the whole name of this podcast sums it up perfectly. We don't look like an engineer. What what does an engineer look like these days? Um, in the past, for me, when I started in recruiting in this space, it was a white middle-aged man um, in the UK. And seeing those changes through the years and obviously bringing more women into the industry, but also more people that aren't necessarily like Jodie yourself said that you're not from an engineering background, but that doesn't mean you can't work in an engineering company. Um, it's, it's become an industry where we are taking skill sets from everywhere. Um, and that's how, you know, we're going to build these amazing projects is having people, um, with different skill sets. Um, so I think there's just been a huge change in terms of younger people coming through, obviously, and how they've been educated as well. That's changed over the years. Um, coming out of universities, it's different to when, you know, older people would have done their university was been very much going in every day and, and studying your curriculum. It's all changed. And I think the the entire industry, not only engineering, has moved with the times to a degree, for sure. Yeah. What about you, Jody and Jonathan? What what do you think um an inclusive workplace culture looks like? Personally for me, an inclusive culture is somewhere individuals do feel safe. It's where you know each other's boundaries and you also then feel to be able to reciprocate that, to be able to let people know where your comfort levels and safety bubble sits, to be able to communicate that. Somewhere that you can have open communication without fear of being ridiculed or gaslit or feel like you're just talking to a brick wall. And that's something that I think our team personally do really well, open communication. Hmm. Yeah, to, to build on that, I think Jody talks about a safe space, uh, definitely a, space, a safe place to learn, but a safe place to be yourself. I like, uh, we try and foster a culture where, you know, we, we don't have you check your values at the door. You, you come the whole you. And we don't ask you to do anything you're not comfortable with and, and, and take it from there, really. And the word isn't also inclusive, right? We want you to feel part of the team. Like there shouldn't be a, I'm sitting outside of these people. Even though they may look different, they may come from a different background, they may be educated different, they may have different skill set, but together we're, we're stronger. Um, so, so that's really what I consider an inclusive workplace. Yeah. And as a leader, I guess now that we're, there's, um, cause you're the director and you, we're talking about, you know, hiring inclusively and there's so many different cultures. And I suppose if you even break it down to cultural requirements, like, um, what looks social in a certain sense, like, you know, there's now, uh, people that don't drink or people that don't eat, um, a certain cuisine, like I'm vegetarian. I don't, you know, I have that difference in, um, like where I can eat essentially <laughs> and everything. How do you navigate that to make sure everyone feels, you know, included? That they belong. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just people's attitudes and being mindful, right? We have a learning huddle every Wednesday where we put on lunch. We always are mindful of people's dietary needs when that happens. 
Um, yep. So there's like, oh, that's a box for, you know, need to make sure mm -hmm. that is like, that's the vegetarian box. We've got, so we could accommodate someone yeah. um, <laughs> at, at our learning huddle. Yeah. And social important. settings, I guess, do they, sorry, do they um, change? I guess you, you just make sure people are doing different activities or rather than, you know, catching up for drinks, which is the norm. Well, yeah, we do, we do have planned social gatherings every quarter, um, but you can't force these things too much, I don't think. And just because they get on there and they want to go do something, at, like go to have a, a drink at the Edinburgh Castle, um, mm. that doesn't mean that, you know, I can't sit down with somebody else and play some board games or card games. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. So, so, and that's part of being yourself, right? You bring your interests, what you connect with people on um, at multiple levels. Me and, me and the other director, we, we geek out about Marvel movies and Star Wars. So you know, that's, that's us. <laughs> Might be ridiculed by some, <laughs> but it, it's me. Not in the engineering world. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jody, you were saying something before? Uh, oh. Um, the comment I was going to make was a way to not make someone feel like they're being singled out or different because of their lifestyle is you treat everybody the same. So instead of going up to a particular individual that you think to yourself, oh, they'll have dietary requirements, we'll ask every single person irregardless, what are your dietary requirements? What mm. are is your preference between alcohol, soft drink. It's not a targeted question. It's a very sort of blanket way to treat everybody and it makes people not mm. feel singled out. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, that is a really good way. Um, and not, that's a really good example with the dietary requirements, but I think like even with um, like end of, end of the year celebrations, like not everyone has the same celebrations because of different cultures. So it's just changing the name, like not Christmas shutdown period, just end of the year shutdown period. It's all about the language that we use. But I really want to touch on what Sophie said at the start, saying how um, it looks like it looks different to everyone which is really true and something that we can see also depending on what you identify as right so do you think that the workplace culture looks different to male and females uh, is the definition of that different from a male perspective and a female perspective i would personally say no just in terms of my office like the, there is no absolutely no difference in I guess what we're looking for I think it's it's more a, if, if there was any differences to me I think it's more a stage of life where you're at um and your your personal beliefs I think um I don't know how much I'm allowed to say this but I guess recruiters are pretty known for liking a beer or two um <laughs> there's there's quite a few in our office that don't drink so just what you were kind of going back to is it's a, a case of changing what has been the traditional outlook of our kind of celebrations and, and what we do to to be more inclusive um and and make them less less focused around alcohol so to speak or you know i think uh, but again as i say like time of life everybody at some point it seems i feel like it's when you cross over the 30s boundary you, you become interested in triathlons for some reason <laughs> Again, just changing with the times, but changing with the, the people within your office. It's, it, there are going to be groups that have similar interests, but there's going to be different groups of those. So it, it's making sure that you are including everybody. Um, and as you say, making them feel like they have a safe space to kind of 
live their beliefs, um, feel happy coming into work and that they're in a supported cultural environment. Um, and and there's multiple ways that that can be done. Um, it's just working around. Obviously, that's that's where I have seen the, the biggest change within workplaces over the kind of last eight years is um, it, it used to be kind of an office with a desk. Now it's an office with um, mothering facilities and religious areas to be able to go and pray if, if that's what you need to do and things like that. And I think that is the... The biggest change for me is seeing all of those kind of um, different things come in and um, we're on the right path, if you ask me. So the question was, is culture different between males and females? Yeah, like a good yeah. workplace culture, what oh, makes you yeah. feel looked at as an individual? So I'm going to go the opposite of what Sophie says and actually Love. say that it is different between males and females. And Prior to working with Arch, I actually was a recruiter. I was a recruiter in the IT industry. And I'm sure your company is fantastic and lovely, Sophie, but my previous company was, it felt like Wolf of Wall Street sometimes, honestly. It was so incredibly sales and how logo was no means maybe in terms of if a mm. client says no to working with you today, that means maybe they'll work with you in the future. And unfortunately, that slogan got interpreted in a couple different ways. And some of the behaviours from the men in that company were extremely predatory. And it was an extremely uncomfortable place to be for certain females. I feel that something that I came to value a lot is respect and quite frankly there was a distinct lack thereof in the old, in the previous role that I was in. So it was really jarring for me to come to Arch and be in a sort of professional environment where everyone is just so incredibly respectful and you don't feel like you have to tiptoe around the way you sort of carry yourself. But I'm sure you ladies can agree on this one is that sometimes we have to be a lot more careful about the way that we emote or portray ourselves for fear of incorrect signals. Yes. <laughs> and so from that perspective, I do think it is different being a male or female. And I think a lot of us do value safe environments a bit more than dudes do but again mm. I don't mm. identify as a dude so I wouldn't know <laughs> so I'll pass the <laughs> mic to the dude in the room <laughs> thank you <laughs> um yeah I actually when Sophie first said that I'm like yes that is absolutely it it's different for everybody what a good culture is um and I can't adequately represent what the perspective of Jody or a Sophie would be. So I can I can speak from my point of view, but I need to be cognizant that that's not necessarily what is important to other people. Um, and that's, you know, still on the growth journey. Um, I, you know, perspective taking is about meeting as many people as you can, understand what's important to them, and then trying to factor that into your worldview somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, 
It's a really interesting one because I also feel like it depends on the companies that you work for, right? Like, so if he has an excellent experience in same industry recruitment uh, at a very uh, inclusive and I guess <clears throat> authentic company, it seems. <laughs> and that's why they sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in all honesty, like all, all companies vary. Like I have also had really poor experiences uh, in the engineering industry at different companies. Um, and it just makes you, as you said, Jody, feel refreshed when you go to a place where you can feel safe. It's actually, it makes you just be grateful for the little things like just being taken seriously or um, being respected for saying your point of view or or just for speaking your truth, you know. And no, not everyone sort of like has that opportunity and and sometimes we say yes to certain jobs at certain companies because we are under a certain circumstances and we can't we can't really live any other better experience than that because we sort of like we think that there isn't it's not existing or because we're under like pressure and our job at the moment is everything we have and it's so hard for us to leave that culture because of fear of probably never going to have um, a job again. I don't know. So it's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, I agree. I personally think that culture is, is depending on the individual and it has a lot of, um, like it really differs if you're a female or, um, or a man or a, a different um, gender and ethnicity as well. You also have uh, different aspects that people prefer introverts versus extroverts, for instance. Um, and so we've had, you know, people that haven't necessarily felt at home as an introvert in our organization, but there is definitely a home for the introverts because, you know, generally speaking, when an introvert speaks, you got to listen because they've thought about it rather than somebody like me who yeah. just blurbs whatever comes to mind. <laughs> I'm actually really happy that you brought that up because in the industry and not just the engineering industry, but, um, I feel like in life, we value confidence over competence. And it seems that extroverted people are confident just because they talk and they are bubbly and they like just interact with everyone, right? It's just their natural self. Like they could be really not that confident, but they just talk and talk. But they seem to be confident, right? And And it's really important to like highlight that there's difference in our personalities and some people are very comfortable with, you know, just being more reserved and others are more open and more, yeah, socially, um, I wouldn't say socially able because even like introverted people are really good at social skills. It's just that they just Don't, talk when yeah. they have to yeah. talk, you know? So, <laughs> so can actually, do you want to say something about it? <laughs> I'm a bit more to the introverted side, but I think I do well in social scenarios. So I think that's what Laura's referring to, but I, I definitely yeah. have my periods where I'm like, I, I am done enough socializing for the day um but even like uh, i don't know if it's a male female thing but it's also i've noticed this in the engineering industry if you don't sound certain that what you're saying is right you get overlooked and like oh they're too doubtful of themselves like but but it's something like you can't really know until you've like done the task so like for example sometimes i use the words like i think this is what we should do a lot and they're like you think why aren't you sure because I'm, I'm, I'm just not, <laughs> but, but that doesn't mean what I'm saying is wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
I think that's a really good point, though. Like, I communicate that a lot because I, I've got to believe that I'm not necessarily the only person in the room that knows what they're talking about. So if you believe, and this goes mm. back to diversity, right, and inclusion, which is yeah. you have to mm -hmm. factor in people's perspectives. One of the best definitions of assertiveness I've heard is that you value everything in a discussion or decision that needs to be valued, whether that's your opinion or somebody else's. And and sometimes that's mm. empowered me to say something that I'm thinking, but may not have had the confidence to say, because um, I'm either speaking for my myself, that's something that needs to be valued, or somebody else. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think the way you put yourself across, Sohan, is, um, is really good in terms of eliciting the best outcome. And I think... Well, I know this is one of the reasons why I think you're a fantastic leader, Jonathan. So twofold, Lara was talking about how assertiveness equals confidence and it's very easy for someone who is not a director to sit and listen and take everything that you have to say for gospel. But then it's mm -hmm. also really insightful of you to understand that you can be the loudest person in the room, but you may not necessarily be the rightest person in the room. Yeah. And so for you to then finish your sentence and say, but I'm open to hearing what you guys have to say, discuss, I think that's a real indicator of what a inclusive environment looks like. It's a good leader is someone who knows these little bits and pieces and how to get your bang for your buck out of an introvert, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's right yeah, I remember being a grad and going to these those group interviews does anybody remember this and maybe a bit of a throwback how yeah, the group interviews and you spend an entire day there and they just walk around and listen to you and something that I got told was it's not the loudest person that they want it's not the most talkative person they want to hire the person that will notice the quiet people and the person to encourage the entire table and facilitate a discussion as opposed to sort mm -hmm. of strong arm a discussion in a specific direction. So I think yeah. there is knowledge that loud does not equal right mm -hmm. and you just need mm -hmm. to be able to find the support network that can encourage and foster that sort of mindset, which I think Jonathan does really well personally. He's a very woke extrovert. Oh, kudos <laughs> to you, Jonathan. That's, That's awesome. Really good to hear. That's exactly like that. what we need, exactly. especially minority groups in in the in any industry. We need those allies that can see what we're good at and do the, you know, push them and be like, okay, sell yourself. This is what you can do. Um, I think it's it's incredibly important. But if I can add an undertone to, I guess, where our question came from, the first initial question, <clears throat> do you think like a good workplace culture looks different for men and women? I think where it comes from for us is we keep hearing, uh, and this is like on social media, but also in workplaces, especially for the younger people where they're like, oh, innately men and women are different, you know? Men socialize in a different way to women. So women are more, you know, um, how are you doing? Yeah, get into yeah, your your life. Are you okay? Kind of thing. And men are like, oh, we'll just go have a good time, you know. And and, and unfortunately, that's also why, you know, we have to have Movember and everything. Um, because, you know, talking about each other is not as common for men. So in that sense, um, if one party, we can assume, I don't know if this conversation is even right, 
you know, maybe in the workplace, women are also just out to have a great time. I don't know. <laughs> but if they are, if, if one party is looking for like a more personal connection and one is like, oh, I just come share, have a good time, go back home. It's perfectly fine. Don't have to know me on a personal level. Then in that sense, what does good workplace culture look like? Can I, I would say um, there is obviously a lot of this that rests on the shoulders of leaders within businesses. And I've worked for some very senior leaders that are very introverted people. And you can see that they have really struggled with this whole piece of being able to include everybody. And that's also putting them in a quite an awkward situation for themselves. Um, especially senior women um, in, in the times that I had, like in the last eight years working in engineering, as we've seen women being kind of pushed towards more senior roles, um, there has been that level of, um, they're probably overcoming quite a lot in terms of where how they sit and how they can be seen within an organisation, which mm -hmm. is predominantly male-led as well. Um, there is no getting away around the fact, if you ask me in engineering right now in this point in time where we're at there are just more men in the industry um that is slowly going to change but it it's where we're at is that um, correct at all levels sophie is that it's still correct at all levels yes but it is definitely obviously there is a, a major increase in in females coming into engineering um but there's there's a way to go <laughs> um i think but looking at that and seeing having a, a leader um, in the past like that who, who's clearly struggled on that level to be able to hand that down in terms of experience from her part and probably what she's gone through in her career as well to now I have an MD who is very in tune with the fact that he wants to make sure he does have one-on-one -on -one time with us all and he does kind of get to know us all at a more personal level. Um, it's, it's also how different leaders kind of, take that yeah and the hmm. size fits all i don't think i think as, as what jonathan said it's about understanding that you know taking other people's viewpoints and being and your self-awareness around that part that is really what's driving change if you ask me at this point hmm. i like what sophie said like leaders have different approaches to um everything uh, and we see that some leaders like to get to know the team members. As you said, Jonathan is like a weapon at leadership and he's like really takes the time to get to know his team members and, and can listen to all of them regardless of the personality traits, right? Um, and I think that's really good. Um, but I think Sohan was um, asking more in the sense of like as an individual, we, we've talked about bringing your true self to work. Mm -hmm. um, can we really do that? Or is it appropriate like to in a professional setting? Because um, we hear all these things about like, oh, like it's a family because we spend so much time with people from work, right? We spend certain hours, but we also want to draw a boundary, which Jody, you're great at. There is... It's different for everybody again. I, I, I've got two examples in mm. my mind about, you know, as much as we try and create an inclusive culture and and that it's not necessarily what everybody wants. I, ha I had a an, a really confident engineer who felt mm -hmm. that they didn't 
fit in with us because they're a bit more introverted. They didn't want to participate in the social things. They, yeah. they sort of wanted the sort of the big company. I want to come to work, do my thing and then leave and, and not mm-hmm. have necessarily that real personal connection. Um, and they didn't feel like they belong. And, and that saddened me a bit because I, I want to, we want to have a workplace where everybody feels like they can belong in some way. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's where the, we're still on a journey Right, and I I don't think there's any perfect answers here. Hmm. Um, I've got another example where, like, in general, I'm a growth mindset, and I try and help people get to the next level, whatever that is. And then I've I've just uh, one thing that I've really struggled with is like, okay, there's a person here that doesn't doesn't want to improve, doesn't you know, is perfectly happy with the way they are, and that's fine too. And I I think that's that's a lesson that I've I've learned as well in in this environment yeah we talk about a company being a family and with your own family you know what irks each other you know what's a sore point so for the people that genuinely do want to be a value add individual to a company they'll respect those avoidance of topics or speaking to people a certain way whereas Mm. there are people in the company that are authentic and true to themselves, but that undiluted, unbridled version of that person is very offensive to a lot of people. And having had that communicated to them hasn't changed their way of operating. So sometimes being fully authentic to who you are may not necessarily be what contributes to a good and inclusive environment. Absolutely. I guess I was kind of curious, Jodie, what you meant, like that their authentic self might be a little bit, how to say, offensive to some people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. For some people, they're very abrupt in their speech patterns. Um, The inability to provide feedback in a cushioned manner or lack just blatantly being like makes sense. no you're doing it wrong don't do it that way false wrong just calling them out um mm. not being able to properly judge the appropriate time and place to provide feedback such as telling yeah. someone off in front of the client that's not really a good look <laughs> and Sometimes someone who's just got an extremely, they're just a real negative Nancy. And that's just the way they are. They're just a really pessimistic person. But working with someone like that day in, day out, or they just assume the worst of everybody or think the world's out to get them, that's their authentic self. But by golly, can that be a difficult energy to be around yeah no that makes sense it's, yeah. it's it, it bleeds into the team yeah, yeah. unfortunately because you as we've said like we, you spend so much time with these people that sometimes the one that complains the most is the one that drains you the most and then all the team is drained essentially disrupts a positive workplace culture which is sort of like tying into what we were going to oh. ask next <laughs> which is do you think uh, what role do you think that unconscious biases come into play like the more inclusive you try to make your team what role do they play in disrupting positive workplace culture i think unconscious biases can definitely play in right everybody has blind spots um and the trick is if we have got a safe enough culture where 
somebody feels comfortable pointing that out to somebody that what you've said to me in Jodie makes me feel uncomfortable because this and if they if they respond positively to that then excellent you've actually helped them to uncover their blind spot and and work on it because once it's then articulated you can work on it and uh, it, no matter how what level you are in an organization i believe that everybody has the ability to learn and and the right to learn in the workplace now as a senior person in an organization i'm not going to get every decision right and i'm going to learn a lot of things along the way right and some of the behaviors that i might display might offend people unknowingly and it might be unconscious bias or what have you I, but as long as we try and foster that environment where i can get feedback on that then it's, you know i've got the opportunity to improve and I, i'd i'd want that opportunity for anybody in the organization i just for me i just think it's it's the the baseline for all of this change that is happening already but there's more to to continue on is people feeling feeling comfortable to be able to speak up um and i think in terms of unconscious biases as jonathan's kind of saying there is he know you know he feels like he's always learning and a good leader will recognize them that in themselves and and anybody at any point within their career journey will recognize that they don't have the answers to absolutely everything but it's it's that point of feeling that you have a safe place to be able to for people to be able to be honest and open with you i think that that is the the steps of change there are going to make the difference at the end of the day yeah change is definitely led from the top down if i know that my behavior is me mirroring 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 the leadership team then yeah if worst case scenario something terrible happens from it I know I'm not going to get berated for initiating that conversation. I have been in workplaces where it's a very sweep it on the rug, call it a day, done, done, that sort of thing. And mm. confront, uh, maybe for lack of a better word, but confrontation is something that is not necessarily frowned upon in our workplace at least. And Jonathan has actually encouraged me to go be candid and frank with the more senior member of the company because he's like, well, if you don't like X, Y, and Z, tell them. <laughs> I was like, no, of course not. I'm not going to do that. He's like, no, just tell them. They, they probably so don't good. know. It's a blind spot. I'm like, no, absolutely not. I'm going to ignore it until it goes away. <laughs> and he's like, that's not how Which you do it. Which is unfortunately what we revert to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if it's the whole male or woman thing, but personally for me, I'm a really non-confrontational person. My idea of just using yeah. something is with humor, or I'll just Jonathan laughs. Yeah, I like. Or I'll just <laughs> smile my way through it. <laughs> if someone's yelling at me, my reflex is just sit there going, "Uh huh." Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. uh, I, um, yeah. I, I guess I I should add to that that it's also about not putting the person that's already feeling a little bit down under even more stress. I've I've had in a previous organization. I, I was getting bullied um, oh. and I went to HR and the first response was, well, I'm going to sit you both in a room and you can both grow up. Um, and that really just put even more stress on, on my life. Right. So, mm. so there is a point where, you know, there's a little bit of 
you know, trying to help help people to resolve their own problems, but then recognizing that where there is no solution that's within their ability to mm. respond, um, taking ownership of that as the accountable person um, and resolving it. How do you approach it differently from, I guess, when you're um, encouraging Jody to go have a conversation? Um, how do you manage her not getting too stressed, if that makes sense? I, I think it's... Hopefully, it's in, with the intent in which you you put it across, right? Uh, part of part of her potential growth journey is to be able to speak on her behalf and provide that feedback mm. to others. And part of it is the intention that you're offering that feedback to that person is with the intent to help them improve as well. So if we all got each other's yeah. back, then that's that's a space where we can have that conversation. If Jody say wasn't comfortable having that conversation, then that's when I could offer some other solutions, or I could provide coaching on how you do it, you know, or you know, give some ideas on well, this is might be one way to approach it, like because mm. sometimes you're not comfortable because you don't have a methodology that you've got in your mind that you can confidently execute, um, and and mm -hmm. so giving some ideas might help that. This is the this is the one bit of advice that a coach gave me. 15 years ago that I wish I had 15 years earlier. Um, and that's... Love that. Um, if if you've got a, a fork in the road, a decision point, right? Um, if you believe it's going to be a bad outcome and you act on it, then you're acting in fear. If you believe it's going to be a good outcome and you act on it, then you're acting in faith, right? And the only difference is your mindset of what the outcome would be, right? Is what informs your decision. And every time you make a decision based on fear, you are robbing yourself an opportunity to learn because you, you just shied away from it. Even if you make a decision based on faith, it's a bad outcome, you learn something, right? So every time you make a decision based on fear, you're self-limiting. Um, and so that's where there's an opportunity for somebody to, like a Jody, to give feedback to somebody else. And the, the, the fear could drive, no, nah, I don't want to do that. But having the faith and then learning the lesson and then next time it just, the barriers become less because you've been in that situation before. Just like to highlight as well, how many times have you gone to your manager and said, this is my problem? And then they get the whole white knight complex and say, oh, I'll have that conversation for you and just <laughs> put on their big boy pants and go, stop bullying that person. And it's the equivalent of your mum coming to the playground and trying to fist fight like a two-year-old. <laughs> I wanted to highlight that at no point Jonathan was like oh I'll have that conversation for That's you awesome. it yeah. was as he was saying it's always been I'll give you the tools to get the job exactly. done exactly but yes. this is your battle to fight <laughs> this is this is your wow, crucible I like that that makes all the difference yeah. honestly and that's 100%. why I love like how Jonathan was saying like as soon as you have the tools like positive confrontation I feel like is something we do need to um know how to do um but it is a tricky I think one. it's like communication yeah. to avoid confrontation. It's yeah. like we just have to talk to avoid that at the end. It's like, hey, no, <laughs> why do you do this? <laughs> and get the Latin spice out of it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yes. One thing that I think, um, like we've talked about ignoring it before, elephant in the room, but the, the, the pandemic has, you know, been a huge disruptor of work, workplaces as we know it. Um, but with hybrid working, and I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that hybrid working is going to be the way forward, like 
seeing each other five days a week is probably not going to happen in the short term anyway. How do you um, foster a good culture when, you know, you're interacting over a screen for like two days a week? Um, I can. Yeah, I think um, I think it's about for me um, in my personal work life. And also, obviously, I do speak to a heck of a lot of people within the industry. Um, it's about fostering a work-life balance that what like a, a, the right balance and that includes your work-life balance and you having the, the collaborative environment to be able to get the job done um there are different jobs that require different levels of, of interaction with people at the end of the day we we may be a bit of an anomaly at arch um our policy is four days a week in an office um okay. at least one of those days at arch uh and and it might sound bad, um, but we, we believe in shoulder time. We believe in the interaction. Um, and what I will say is that we are really flexible from there. Nobody's flexible work arrangements have been denied from that baseline. Whereas other organizations, mm. they say, no, nah, 100% flexible. You can work from home five days a week. But then you've got a client and the client's not going to accept that. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we're asking you to step up from our you know, more open policy mm. So but I'm working out in New Zealand for a week, right? Because I had a personal thing I need to deal with with my with my family. Um, Jody's worked out of Melbourne. We've had somebody work out of Turkey for that. We all recognise that, you know, there's plenty of mums and dads in the in the office, and they go and do the pickups. They need to go see the 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 school choir, or they need to have an award ceremony, or whatever it is. All of that is legit um, and respected, because you know, work is only part of it, part of the equation in for everybody. Um, so, and I'll tell you the reasons for why we believe in that, because we also have, we believe in helping the next generation and creating a a learning environment. And it's really hard to learn for a, for a graduate to learn off people that are hundred percent on the other end of a team's call. You have to be very deliberate. You don't get the ad hoc learning. You don't get to hear the conversations that other people are having and join in when you, when you're, when your interest is peaked. Um, and then the other aspect to it is, you know, we work in a, we work in an industry where we need information from other people. And sometimes the information we need is on the low end of their priority list. And so it's not its not actually the demand or the logic that we can throw you about why this is important, but it's actually the rapport that we build with people because they want to do the right thing for us and we want to do the right thing for them. So it's a win-win and that you can only establish face-to-face. I think we can keep, we're all very aware of the world becoming more and more automated as well. And everybody's worried about their jobs these days and what computer is going to take over what we do. But it, the, the one thing that can never be taken away is rapport building and personal and connection. And though it's all important for people to have X amount of days working from home right here, right now, because it's what we've become accustomed to. I think we'll see a bit of a flip on that. I'm starting to already speak to people that are just kind of like, I'm really fed up of working from home and yeah, everything being on teams. <laughs> does get boring I want to go and speak to people and the only driver behind like being able to work from home is just that ease of you know taking care of the kids or parents or you know something for the podcast (laughs) (laughs) the kid (laughs) the kid that needs a lot of attention (laughs) it's true though everyone has a hobby and that's completely okay but I, I like the fact of establishing a work arrangement that allows people to connect the more that you're gonna get out of is when you interact with that that senior, yeah. um, and again, like the conversations that 
Jonathan has been helping Jody with, for example. Honestly, you can't do that over a team's call. Yeah. Love this conversation. Thank you so much. I think we should do like a little wrap up of how to actually cultivate this inclusive workplace culture. I want to emphasize on allyship. It seems that it's key to create an inclusive workplace culture. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a leader, but it can be someone that can advocate for us. If organizations don't have an allyship program, it doesn't have to be established like formally, but just um, encourage those conversations with people in like different um, senior positions. Or like if we know that there's like an introvert in the team, help them out with promoting themselves for like different roles or pursuing their dreams and not just saying yes to to what the boss says sort of thing. Which again comes from building rapport and the clear communication, you know, that we were talking about between teams and between team members to be able to eventually avoid that confrontation just because you have clearer and better communication, which is point number two. And then... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Clear communication to avoid confrontation. I like that one. (laughs) It's a good one. And when it comes to sort of like fostering this... um, a culture when we are working as a hybrid. Yeah, it's just that <laughs> reminding ourselves that work is just one part of the equation and everyone has a life. And sometimes these uh, flexible work arrangements really suit us um, and take a lot of stress out of our shoulders. But even to end, like I think we read this quote on your LinkedIn, Jonathan. It's like I think you were talking about systems in general and they're saying that it's only successful based on how it, the parts interact with each other. Yep. And I think that in and of itself is the crux of building a good inclusive workplace culture because you have to figure out how you interact with the people and the team 100 percent. thank you very much everyone it was (laughs) lovely having you all here thank you all right thank you have a good one